What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to the Dodgers Nation post-game show. After your boys in blue get the largest comeback win of the season for the Dodgers. We have everything to break down. We're going to talk about this bullpen that stepped up. Five scoreless. It wasn't always easy. Noah Syndergaard, he's been struggling of late. We're going to try to get to the bottom of that. Chris Taylor, all of a sudden, he's going on a streak. He's catching fire. Had the big go-ahead three-run home run. And the youth movement is showing out for this team. Michael Bush, he makes his debut, and he made his presence felt. Michael Bush gets the base hit, the RBI single up the middle, draws a walk in this game. On the on the night, he goes one for three with the walk, but it was a big night for your Dodgers. Dodgers largest comeback win of the year. Dodgers trailed 7-2, to two, heading into the top of the fifth inning, and I'm going to tell you how they came back in this one, but yeah, fly the... Wait, actually... There we go. And can you guys hear me okay? All right, there we go. So, yeah, fly the jolly Dodger. Dodgers get the win today. Had a little technical difficulty at the beginning of this one, but, hey, we are here on the Dodgers Nation post-game show. And, as always, I'm looking for that Dodgers Nation fan comment of the night presented by our friends over at Hornito. So, if I see that comment of the night here, we got uh, a nice little bottle of tequila right here. I'm going to give you one of these. You win. If you give me a fire take, any hot take, a spicy hot take, you're going to see one of these. Fire take. You say anything a little sus, a little out of pocket, I'm going to give you one of these. Bruh. And I'm also looking for that Dodger dog of the game. Dodger dog of the game. But let's get into it. Jump into these comments. We're going to break it all down. we got Gary Glenn. Cindergard is a great batting practice pitcher. That's from Kevin Yuhas. Yeah, it was not a good night for Noah Cindergard once again. And look, the issue with Cindergard is he just does not have electric stuff. He was not missing bats at all tonight. Just seven swings and misses for Thor and if you look at his numbers, since his first start of the season, he just has not looked good. He's had a 8.55 ERA in his last four starts, had six hits in his last game, and he ends up giving up six hits in the first couple innings of this one. Tonight he goes just four innings, allows seven runs, just had two strikeouts, so just wasn't getting very much swing and miss, was not getting ahead in the count, and you're seeing he's not confident in his stuff. And if you guys watched the preview show, I said my biggest disappointment of the season, I said it was going to be Noah Syndergaard. The reason being is I did not have any confidence that he was going to regain that velocity. There was no metrics that pointed to some positive regression. And look, I didn't say it was going to be a bust. I thought he would be serviceable and be an innings eater, and I still think he has the potential to be that. But any expectations of him making the All-Star team or being the Cy Young Award candidate, Noah Syndergaard that was throwing triple-digit heat, I think that is not going to happen. He was thorific at times tonight. Shout-out to my man, Mr. Clint Pasillas. We're talking about that over on Slack a few minutes ago. But yeah, 13 of 22 on first pitch. Strike seven swinging strikes on the night. Just not getting it done. And just too many hits. Too many hits. Opponents are getting the bat on the ball against Noah Syndergaard. So we'll talk about that. Do you guys, does this change your opinion of him? I mean, are we going to see Gavin Stone sooner because of it? I think all signs point to an earlier arrival of Gavin Stone due to the performance of Noah Syndergaard. But still, it's still early. I'm not saying they're going to DFA him, but he definitely needs to turn things around. I hope that he does that because he just did not look good tonight. He gave up 
Eight, nine hits, nine hits in four innings for Noah Syndergaard. But first, let me know where you represent Dodgers Nation from tonight. By the way, let me get your cities. Drop those down below. Where you're repping, Deanne, and also who is your player of the game? Because you go a lot of different ways. I mean, of course, Chris Taylor, he hits the big go-ahead home run, but it wasn't just that. CT3 had his best game of the season, and this is who this guy is. He is streaky. He is a guy that when he finds a rhythm, when he gets his timing right, he can have two, three, four weeks couple months at a time where he can catch fire and really produce and tonight hopefully is the start of something for Chris Taylor. He's batting in the bottom of the order. He goes three for four, had three RBI and his home run there really put the Dodgers over the top and they remain there for good. They win by a final score of 8-7 to seven, and they improve to 13-11 and 11 on the year. But we got Hello DMAC and Dodgers Nation. That's from Carnivorous Lunar Activity. Repping from Houston, H-Town. Okay. We got Las Vegas. It's James Outman. That's from Charles Cabrera. That's your Dodger dog of the game because, yeah, James Outman, what more can you say about this guy? He is James Out him. The way he continues to perform. The way he continues to rake. And his hits, I mean, I thought at the end there, I was hoping for some insurance runs when he was able to get that double late there in the ninth inning. He doubled, set the Dodgers up with runners on first and second on second and third with one out and Vargas at the plate. And unfortunately, they weren't able to capitalize. But yeah, we're going to break down this whole game. Give me your player of the game. How did you feel about Michael Bush's debut? And I think this really presents the question that it could be Michael Bush season because Michael Bush, you saw what he does and why he's such a talented hitter. He's not just your average minor league hitter that rakes and puts up big minor league numbers. No, you saw the plate discipline. How many times do you see him get deep into count today how many times did you see him where he was able to draw a walk I mean the seven pitch walk he got that really set things up there in the eighth inning after Vargas had the single Bush drew that one out walk on seven pitches and then next batter Chris Taylor on a 2-0 pitch he crushed that go-ahead three-run home run to center absolutely obliterated CT three-run home run and that really was the difference in tonight's game and I thought hey after they had robbed Mookie Betts of a three-run home run earlier in the game on a ball that would have been a home run in 27 out of 30 stadiums in Major League Baseball. Hey, maybe you say, hey, this is not the Dodgers night, but right, no, they have a winning road trip so far. They clinched a winning road trip, and things are starting to head in the right direction for this team. I am still concerned about the pitching at this point. I have some thoughts on Jason Hayward batting in the three-hole, a guy who's batting below the Mendoza line in the three-hole. I did not like that by Dave Roberts. I don't care that his BABIP is extremely low. I don't care that his predictive stats and his expected batting average definitely indicate that he should be performing better. And yes, he is hitting the ball hard, but still, a guy that's struggling that much at the plate to have him in the three-hole in this game. Yes, it was. I think it was an opportunity to build his confidence, but I think this lineup, you're not going to have Jason Hayward batting into the three-hole anymore. Lesson learned. But Dodgers 316, that's from James Bostrom over on YouTube. I had a feeling they would come back tonight that's from Deborah Young. I really hope CT3 gets back to normal like Muncie has. That's from BC. Yeah, I mean, three of the big questions heading into this season, at least three of some of the big questions have already been answered. Is Max Muncie having a monster bounce back year? Absolutely. Is James Altman the real deal? Absolutely. Is Chris Taylor going to have a bounce back year? That is the big question. I think it's just one game. You 
It takes more than one game to get into a slump, and it takes more than one game to get out of a slump. But still, you saw some positive signs from Chris Taylor, who was able to put together his best game of the season, has three hits and the go-ahead home run there. Go-ahead three-run home run. We're also going to talk about the base stealing. I mean, come on now. Dodgers have allowed 29 stolen bases on the year. Teams are 9 of 9 against Noah Syndergaard. That definitely is something that needs to be addressed. They need to make an adjustment there because that just is not going to cut it. But uh, yeah, let's jump back into the comment section here and then we're going to start breaking down this game. A win is a win. That's from James Bostrom over on YouTube. We got Michael trade for Cedric Mullins at the trade down. That's from Michael. I actually have been working on a video that includes something on Cedric Mullins. Now, he's not a guy that's going to hit for power, but outfield-wise, defensively, he brings it. He is an above-average bat, and I think this team has enough sluggers at the moment that if you bring in a dynamic hitter, then get his bat on the ball, that he can provide value with attributes other than just being a guy that goes up there and goes deep. I definitely think it's interesting. And also, how about Andrew McCutcheon, a guy that he hits that big three-run shot tonight. He's had a great start to the season. Yes, a nice homecoming in Pittsburgh. Yes, they've gotten off to a really nice start. The surprise team in the National League. They're now 16-8, and eight, but if things fall apart, which they most likely will in Pittsburgh at some point throughout this season, hey, he's a guy on a $5 million expiring contract. He plays DH. He plays outfield, so he's been playing mainly DH with Pittsburgh, but he's another interesting name that kind of fits the mold of what the Dodgers look for at the trade deadline. Guys that are veterans, expiring contract guys. You don't have to commit long term that are having a good year so that's another name to consider but I love the idea of Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles is CT3 back DMAC or is this just a tease that is from Matthew Smith well how about this how about this how about we watch this CT3 run shot right now because it was a thing of beauty because he absolutely raked this there you go look at this this shot by CT3 going deep 2-0 count. That's the difference. I mean, he's getting himself into hitter's counts. You're seeing less hesitation. You're seeing him quicker to the baseball. And I think that is really the big key because confidence is key for Chris Taylor. And when he's seeing balls in the zone that he knows he can get to and he's able to time it up, he's such a strong guy. I mean, the bat speed, the bat to ball really takes care of itself. And when he goes up there and he's trying to slug, when he's trying to hit extra base hits, that's when he gets into trouble because that is when he's pressing but when he's relaxed at the plate he has a rhythm he knows good things are going to happen you see results like you saw tonight and I think the hits earlier in the game I think that are what allowed him to hit that three-run shot because you saw the confidence start to build now is he back it's way too early to tell because the reality with Chris Taylor is he has been swinging miss Chris he has been Chris Kaler KT3 I mean he has been a strikeout machine but Things can change in a heartbeat. We saw that with Max Muncie. I would not... He's not a complete lost cause like a, Dodge, a lot of Dodger fans lead you to believe. There is still something in there, and I think Chris Taylor is a guy that who is a lot like Max Muncy, who was written off throughout his career and turned himself into an all-star player. So there are similarities there. So, yeah, I don't think he's completely black. I think you're going to need to see a few games, a few weeks of him just going up there and giving you positive at-bats. He's really struggled chasing pitches out of the zone, but if you look at Chris Taylor heading into this game, he was 5 for 45 on the year year and he has three hits tonight so yeah I mean you're talking about a guy that 
Five of his eight hits are home runs on the season. You want to see a little more of a dynamic approach at the plate, getting those classic gap-to-back CT3 hits, base hit. But, yeah, I mean, if he can find a way to look like 2021 Chris Taylor in the first half of the season, 2017 Chris Taylor, that is going to lengthen this lineup because he was batting at the bottom of that lineup right above Austin Barnes. So it's definitely a positive, positive sign, I think, He's close to really figuring things out. I wouldn't say he's completely turned the corner as of yet because it is just one game. And we saw Trace Thompson have a three-home run game, and he's fallen off a cliff ever since. So let's not get too excited. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. But still, this is a guy that he does have a track record of success in this league. And also, too, streaks are come. Streaks are what he is. I mean, if you look at the back of his baseball card, he's a guy that puts up some pretty solid numbers, but he's very streaky. So you have to kind of live with that with Chris Taylor. You have to ride the hot streaks, and when he's cold, you just have to know that he's going to find a way to get himself out of it. But let's jump back in the comments section. Um, we got Outman again. We got Barnes belongs in the barn. That's from B. Guzman. Yeah, look, the thing with Austin Barnes, and I get a lot of people ask me about Cartaya, who's gone off to a slow start down in A Tulsa, about Fiducia, who's been absolutely fantastic, a guy who made that toe-tap adjustment. He's been raking, but the reality with Austin Barnes is at the very least he is going to have a job as long as Clayton Kershaw is on this team and that is just the reality and also Austin Barnes he had a productive out I mean if it weren't for Austin Barnes he was able to get that he was able to get that sacrifice fly that gave the Dodgers another run so he wasn't completely lost I and mean, he's had some better games of late and look you have nine hitters you have a DH you don't need Austin Barnes when he's catching to light the world on fire you just need to give you quality at bats go up there work the count get an occasional single occasional double occasional home run I mean he had a lot of power early on last season that was the difference for his start because last year he had a great start to the season he was hitting dingers and got that extension but but, yeah, I think the key is he works with the pitching staff. Guys like him. He get that strike at the bottom of the zone. And the reality is he's just not going anywhere. But let's jump into the comments. And I want your thoughts on Michael Bush because that, to me, was the biggest takeaway of this game is Michael Bush – the bat is translating. It is just one game, but you can see that he is going to be a competent at the very least big league hitter. I mean, his eye at the plate, I talked about last night on the show, you see the similarities with Max Muncy. I think Muncy, of course, is going to hit for more power, but Bush hit 32 bombs last year at the minor league level. He led the Dodgers in AAA with 32 dingers, and you see the plate discipline. You see his pitch recognition. He does not like to expand the plate, and he's got a sweet swing, gets his bat on the ball, and I I think he's a guy that you have to find a way to get on this roster and you have to find a way to give him some opportunities because first at bat didn't look great they gave him a heavy dose of breaking balls six of the seven pitches were breaking balls and it's going to take a minute to adjust to hitting big league spin just ask Miguel Vargas who's starting to turn it around and the second at bat grounds out first pitch a little aggressive during that at bat and then the third at bat that is really where it all came together for him he hit that ground ball right up the middle rbi single for bush thigh high and 
it was just a great at-bat, and that is who he's been. I mean, last year at the minor league level, he saw almost four pitches for, per at-bat, so he's a guy that knows how to work the count and give you quality at-bats, and I think you saw that tonight. I think that is who he's going to be in this league. I mean, look, he's a first-round pick for the Dodgers. He played at North Carolina. He's an athlete. He played multiple sports. He played hockey. He played football. This is someone who has waited patiently for his opportunity, and I love Bush. Syndergaard is just unlucky. That's from Michael. I mean, I think, I mean, if you look at Noah Syndergaard, is he unlucky? The thing about Noah is he is not doing a great job of missing bats. Seven missed bats tonight, only two strikeouts in four innings, and his stuff just is not electric. And like I said, I said period point blank at the beginning of the season that any Dodger fan that was expecting Love and Thunder, Thor, you weren't going to get that. You were most likely going to get something closer to Avengers Endgame, Thor, when all the Avengers had PTSD about what happened to Thanos, and he kind of just dropped the ball. Now, I still think he is going to be serviceable. I think he can eat innings, but I said I don't expect him to be this year's Tyler Anderson, a guy that found a money pitch after he found the grip on that changeup, and he was able to ride that to an all-star appearance. You don't see nasty stuff from Syndergaard. I mean, the changeup, few games back as the Diamondbacks against the Mets. I mean, his changeup, what he has it working, is definitely solid for sure, but I think with Syndergaard, he has to find a way to just get that command going. How about the fact that, look, I mean, some of the plays defensively, some of the plays defensively that he made today, I mean, just kind of taking the wrong step to first base, allowing a runner to reach. Uh, opponents are 9-for-9 nine nine on stolen bases against him on the year. That's absolutely unacceptable. I mean, you have to make that adjustment early on in the season, knowing that you have bigger bases, knowing you have those pizza boxes out there, knowing that you can only make two disengagements to first base, and it's harder to hold runners now, that opponents are going to be more aggressive, and clearly that was the Pirates' game plan, and it led to three runs tonight. It led to three runs for that Pirates team. So when you consider the fact that the stuff isn't as great, he's not holding runners, he's not missing bats, gave that home run tonight. It's, I mean, the numbers speak for himself. I mean, like Bill Parcells said, you are what your numbers say you are. An 8.55 ERA in his last four starts. So, yeah, I still think that he's a guy that does not have to be a top three pitcher for the Dodgers. You're not expecting him to be an ace or anything like that. If he can give you six Six innings per start and give this team a chance to win. I would consider that a win for a guy that you sign on a one-year $13 million deal. But look, I mean, striking out 20, less than 20% of the batters he's faced. The good thing is the walks haven't been an issue for him. But tonight, the command just, it was not there. And as far as his luck, I mean, his BABIP isn't out of whack. It's a 297 BABIP, close to league average. But, yeah, we'll break down the start. We're going to go pitch for pitch pretty soon. We must we must keep Michael Bush. That is from YouTube. We got Alexander Rose. I'm about 80% convinced that my kid's name's Outman or James. He's so good, and my Outman stock rises and rises. Yeah, there you go. That is our first Dodgers Nation comment of the night for the postgame show presented by our good friends over at Hornitos. You can enjoy a nice sip of Hornitos on me. Please drink responsibly. So, yeah, I mean, this this horny does go super hard, Ben. Uh, Bush is the next Outman, hopefully BC. I don't know if I would go that far, but uh, I'll be here. I got your back. We got – but, yeah, let's jump back into this, into this game and really, really – 
break this one down because a lot happened in tonight's game and it was a to me the top three win of the year for the Dodgers so let's start with the Dodgers top of the first inning 0-2 pitch Mookie fouled to left for the first out and then Freeman he draws a five pitch walk and then with Freddie at first and one out Hayward reached on a catcher's interference on hedges and then 0-1 pitch to Vargas he doubles to right to score Freeman and Hayward giving the Dodgers an early 2-0 lead LA strikes for his blood slides inner half and you're seeing a aggressive approach for Vargas of late. Yes, the walks are still going to be there, but you can tell that the game plan has shifted for him saying, hey, if there's a pitch that you can drive, I want to see you attack it, and you're starting to see a more aggressive Miggy Vargas is starting to pay off. So the Dodgers get two runs on a walk and a catcher's interference and that big two-out double by Miggy Vargas, that puts the Dodgers up one and that puts the Dodgers up one nothing on three hits in that first in uh, that puts the Dodgers up. But uh, back to the comments section here, Cinder washed almost effed up, effed it up. Yeah, look, the reality is, it looked like it looked like the Dodgers were not going to come back on this game. I mean, a seven two lead. You got Syndergaard on the mound. You don't have too much confidence in this bullpen, but still, hey, give this team a lot of credit. They battled back, and they found a way to win this game. But two runs on one hit and one air for the Dodgers there. They take an early 2-0 lead, and then you jump to that bottom of the first inning. So Hayes lined to center for the first out. Marcano singled to right on a cutter out over the plate. And then Marcano stole second. Then on a 1-2 pitch, Thor punches out McCutcheon for the second out. And then with a runner on first, Santana singled to center, scoring Marcano to make it 2-1. So you're seeing him struggle when he's falling behind in the count. And there's a perfect example. He fell behind in the count 2-0. Changeup just did not have great depth. And they're able to get that single. They get their first run across and it's 2-1 and then Sawinski he reached on an infield single to third and Santa makes it to second and with runners on first and second Joe line to left for the third out so they get one run on three hits and yeah I mean it could have been worse after Santana was at second and runners on first and second and what you see there you saw a runner get on a runner get over and they bring him in Marcano he was going on and they knew that he was going to steal and then jumping to the bottom of the second 2-2 pitch Castro struck out looking for the first out sinker bottom of the zone and then a 2-2 pitch Bay reached on an infield single left that cutter up and there's another example too did not have his cutter tonight did not have great bite or feel for it. He was leaving it out over the plate. And also, give me your grade for Noah Syndergaard tonight. We got uh, Jeff says one positive is that the Dodgers scored some runs without the long ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one value that these young hitters bring. James Altman, you saw him with those two doubles tonight. You saw Miguel Vargas with a double and a single. Michael Bush, he gets a single and a walk. So these younger guys, they're really complete hitters where they can leave the yard, but they can also get their bat on the base and make things happen the old-fashioned way. Thor gets a C. That's from B. Guzman. Thor gets a D-. minus. That's from Jason over on YouTube. We got Don Kim. What up, D-Mac? Which is better entertainment, games like tonight or blowouts? That's a good question. For me, I'm, look, I'm, I have to go with the nail-biters, the close games, because I think it's great. For my, my favorite type of game is when you have that lead and you're holding on to a 
seven to five lead, a seven to six lead, a five to four lead, and you watch your bullpen just just nails the entire way through. Your bullpen shut things down and put up zeros. I think that's very exciting. I think it's exciting to watch a pitcher's duel. A blowout is every nice and it's very it's very nice and satisfying every now and then. That's one of the great things about Major League Baseball is you have 162 games per year, so you get a variety of wins. And yeah, I mean it was nice to see what the Dodgers did to the Cubs over the weekend. But I think too, it is nice to have that high tension, have that high anxiety game where you're really watching pitch for pitch and you're on the edge of your seat. So from an entertainment standpoint, give me a close game every day. And we got Noah Cinderblock. That's from B Guzman. We got Johnny Cage at D plus games like tonight's for sure. But let me ask you guys, what do you guys like better? Do you like to see the Dodgers, the demolition Dodgers blowing out teams like game three of the NLCS where they just went crazy and had that absolute revenge win there. And they put up 11 runs in the first inning. Do you like wins like that? I mean, they are satisfying and they are a sight to behold. And it's nice. Look, chicks dig the long ball for a reason, right? It's fun to watch guys live the yard and just bludgeon opponents but I think close games are what I would choose I mean sometimes yeah it does force me to drink a lot of Hornitos tequila but I still love it a 10 and 0 is fun that's from B Guzman I like games like tonight that's from Deborah Young but yeah jumping back into this game so Bay so the bottom of the second inning you got a 2-1 game and we are a 2-2 pitch to Bay. He reached on an infield single, left that cutter up. And then what does Bay do? He takes off for second. It was the Pirates' second stolen base of the night. And then next batter, 1-2 to Hedge. He hits him. So, Noah, the command was off. Anytime you're hitting batters, that's one sign is, are they hitting guys? And he hits him. And that gives the Pirates runners on first and second with one out. And then next batter, Cabrian Hayes, 1-2 count. He doubles to left to score Hedges in Bay to put the Pirates ahead 3-2. A changeup, like I said, that pitch, he just did not have the feel for it, did not have the depth or command, and just wasn't setting it up with fastball command either. So, yeah, I mean, to have that changeup be effective, you also have to have the command on your two-seam. Mix in some four-seam, but he just really didn't have his pitch mix tonight. So, then next batter, he gets Marcano to fly out for the second out, and then he gets McCutcheon to ground out for the third out. So they get two runs on two hits, that Bay infield single, then he steals second, eventually crosses home plate on that Hayes double. So first two innings of the game, you're seeing the same pattern, stealing bases early and then cashing in. And they know that you can run on Noah Syndergaard. The, it's no secret around Major League Baseball. Teams are going to continue to exploit that weakness all season long until you see a faster move to the plate and you have to use those engagements if you're Thor or else you're gonna have runners in scoring position and you're gonna make life that much more difficult for you and then we jump to the bottom of the third much better inning for Syndergaard really his best inning of the night of course he goes one two three on nine pitches he gets Santana to fly to left for the first out gets Sawinski to ground his second for the second out and then Joe lined to center for the third out so one two three on nine pitches you saw the command was better he was getting the soft contact, the quick outs, and you were hoping that you get some more innings like that to try to have him go into the fifth, sixth, or, hey, maybe even the seventh inning if he really starts to dial in, but it didn't happen. Next inning, bottom of the fourth, Castro grounded to second for the first out, and then Bay and hits an infield single. He 
grounds to Freddie, and then Thor, he takes a wrong step. He hesitated, and that allowed Bade to reach. So the fundamentals just aren't there. There's other things aside from his pitching ability that are causing him to not be effective out there. Bases being stolen on him, not doing the fundamentals, getting to first base. He took the wrong step, and that allowed Bay, who's a very quick runner, to reach base. And then what happens? Bay steals second, and then 2-2 count to Hedges. He singles to right to score Bade to make it 4-2 Pirates. And then Hayes singled to left, giving the Pirates runners on first and second with one out. And then Marcano, he flied to left for the second out. And with runners on first and second, two outs. McCutcheon at the plate, 2-0 pitch, sinker, Kutch cranks a three-run dong to make it 7-2 Pirates. So that really blew the doors off this game for Syndergaard. He's down 7-2. He gives up that bomb to McCutcheon. And he comes back. He does get Santana Flau for the third out. But that was it for Syndergaard. Like I said, a thorific outing for Mr. Syndergaard. Falling behind the count to Kutch 2-0. You're just seeing the same pattern. Falling behind hitters, base runners taking advantage, and them exploiting that weakness. So just didn't have great stuff for command tonight. But back to the comment section, Noah over the hill. That's from Daniel Bowler. We got Syndergaard is Cinder Fart from DKM. I don't know about that. I'll give you a fire take on that one. Hey, I, look, I mean, could Syndergaard be Cinder gone at some point? We'll see. Uh, I do definitely think that this organization, they're not going to make any drastic moves or rash decisions when it comes to him. They gave him a $13 million deal in large part because they know that hopefully they can give him, uh, they can give them 130 plus innings. And if he's able to provide that, and let's say he hovers around 4 or 5 ERA after it balances out, you would feel okay about that. But still, these nights are very concerning when you're giving up home runs, when you're giving up extra base hits. And I'm sure that he's going to bounce back and have some nice starts. But, yeah, in the long run, I think uh, it's going to be tough sledding. But uh, here we go. Could Shelby Miller... She could, I like this one. This is from Matad o, Matador64. Could Shelby Miller time be our closer? Hey, Shelby Miller is the he could he be our closer i will see i mean i think in the interim evan phillips he came back he was fantastic i mean he made light work during his appearance he goes one two three and he made things look easy evan phillips he got that strikeout to hedges on three pitches used that sweeper and he fell behind to Marcano got him to got Hayes to ground to first. Then Marcano first pitch used that cutter soft contact. So this looked like the Evan Phillips that we saw last season where you're getting soft contact with the cutter. You're getting big swing and miss with that sweeper. And he is their best high leverage reliever. And with that being the case, until you get Daniel Hudson back, which at the earliest is going to be on May 29th, Shelby Miller, he has swing and miss stuff. He does strike guys out. And he had a one, two, three bottom of the ninth inning. He got Santana to ground out on two pitches. He used that splitter, kind of top of the zone, kind of like there in the middle, but got the soft contact, got Sawinski to ground a second, and then he got Joe striking out looking on that four-seam fastball. So the key to Miller's success is that four-seam fastball command, and that's why they signed him because if you looked at his numbers – Yes, the, the FIP was high, the runs were high, but he struck out the, a ton of guys in his limited time last season, and that is what the Dodgers were looking for at this stage. They're looking for a guy that can miss bats, a guy that has that electricity to him because you don't want to put the ball in play. You want to miss bats, and that's what you're looking for from a closer. And heading into tonight... He had 10 strikeouts in 10 innings. So it's a strikeout per inning. Got another strikeout tonight. Last season in 
I mean, he got 14 strikeouts in seven innings with the Giants last season. So that's why they signed him. I mean, 18 strikeouts per nine. That's what is attractive to this team. Now, could he be the closer? I definitely think, I mean, I believe tonight was his third save or uh, let's say what was, what was tonight? I think tonight um, he ends up, uh, I think tonight was, was tonight's first save. Tonight was his first save. So Evan Phillips says has two saves on the season. So could he be, I think he has the potential to be bruised our Gratterall. I like him as a setup guy. I like him as one of the high leverage guys with guys being out Ferguson. We're going to talk about his appearance today, but yeah, I think Shelby Miller is definitely trending in the right direction. There's no question about that. Now let's jump to, the we'll jump back in the comment section. We'll keep breaking this damn game down because I want to talk to Michael Bush and give you my thoughts on him and what the Dodgers should do with him moving forward. And should he be a guy that they give a an extended runway? Should they give him more opportunities to hit big league pitching and see if he can be another key contributor to see if he can not give them what James Altman is giving them because James Altman is the front runner for your National League MVP. He gets Chick-fil-A on Sundays, but Let's see, we got Dodgers baby room. Oh, Dodgers baby room. Yeah, I mean, what was happening 40 weeks ago during All-Star weekend? My goodness, man. Hey, got a bunch of Dodgers All-Star babies. But uh, that walk from Bush was a pro at bat. That's from Seth Gribble. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's keep breaking down this game, and we're going to talk about Michael Bush because I'm telling you, this kid, he's got it. He absolutely has it. I think that he's going to be a guy that is going to have a nice run. I think his bat to ball, his ability to hit for contact, hit for power, a combination of plate discipline and bringing that power, that bat speed, I think that's going to play up and I think it's going to translate at this level. But let's talk about this Dodgers offense that was resilient. Like I said, largest comeback win of the season for your boys in blue. And let's talk about that top of the fifth inning. So top of the fifth inning, Chris Taylor gets a leadoff single to right. Then Barnes grounds to third for the first out. Then Betts grounded to the second. Then Betts grounded to first for the second out. And then Freddie Freeman, he reached on an infield single to short to score CT3 to make it seven. Seven to three, and after that, Hayward he grounded to second for the third out. So the Dodgers pick up a run there on an infield single, but it was all sparked by Chris Taylor's leadoff single at the top of the inning, and they make it seven to three at that point. And it was a nice way to bounce back from that three-run shot that. McCutcheon had hit the previous inning to just try to put some runs together because you can't get them all back with one swing. You can't get it all back in most cases in one inning. So to kind of chip away there, I thought that was big. And it's nice to see Chris Taylor get some results and then jump into the top of the sixth inning. What up, DMAC? What up, Hugo Hernandez? We got David. Noah Syndergaard is a mistake. Send him to the double-A minors. He is a major disappointment. Gary A. put Hayward in the Hanser Alberto role where he belongs. I don't know if he can dance like Hanser Alberto, but Dodgers try some birth control. You're going to get a bruh for that. Bruh. We got, uh, yeah, they're all Dodger babies. They're all all-star babies. Yay. Hey, man, just think if all those guys have made the all-star team, maybe – they want to be on paternity leave right now, but for God, yeah, what a what a week for Max Muncy. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, he's having a baby. He's on paternity week. He's having his third kid. Of course, he already has a daughter. Max and Bumgarner are his kids right now. But that third kid, I mean, congratulations to Max Muncy. But Ferguson got out of a tight one. Deborah Young, yeah, we're gonna get into that too. 
it was a tightrope act for Ferg. But, hey, man, he had the stones to get out of that inning. was still challenging hitters. I want to talk about that. Even Cody on paternity leave. That's from Seth Gribble over on YouTube. I don't know over on YouTube says, this has been Thor for years. What were they thinking? Yeah, I don't – look. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. I mean, it's uh, it's gonna be it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, he was never going to be a guy that I think that just there was a lot of optimism and sometimes optimism leads to delusion and you think about uh, what a player did and what he could be versus what he is at the present time and what he's capable at this stage of his career what I said early in the season too was he needed to look at what Clayton Kershaw did Clayton Kershaw he's lost six miles per hour off his velocity right I mean his velocity is actually trending in the right direction this year but you're not seeing 95 96 you're seeing a guy that said look I have to find another money pitch and that pitch was the slider he's throwing it more than his four-seam fastball, but the key to his success is the command. Syndergaard, he doesn't have that other pitch that he can trust each and every outing. Sometimes that changeup is on. Sometimes it's not. Tonight it wasn't, and the cutter, it wasn't on either. So the two-seam fastball, when he's not commanding it, he just doesn't have that repertoire and that pitch mix that he can go to and trust in big spots. And yeah, I mean, that's what you're seeing with him. It's a, a lack of just consistency with his pitches. But uh, here we go. L.A. Babes aren't cheap. That's from Daniel Bowler. Yeah, trust me. Uh, DKM Dodgers better bring the cops to Bob Melvin's house. That's from you. There you go. You get a uh, But, yeah, so top of the sixth inning, James Altman gets things kicked off with a leadoff double. And that was another theme tonight. The youth movement is here. The youth movement is real. Buy your tickets. And this game, you saw Miguel Vargas start innings with big hits. You saw James Altman get things going with big hits, and here was the case in the sixth inning. James Altman gets a ground rule double, and then Miguel Vargas, he walked... And that gives the Dodgers runners on first and second. And then Peralta, he fouled to third. He continues to struggle. Did make a really nice defensive play early in the game to get a run off the board for the Pirates. Would have been another run for the Pirates had he not made that catch earlier in the game. So give him credit for that. And defensively, he really has been outstanding. So I want to give David Peralta credit for that when he took away that hit. And at least a run there early in this one. But, yeah, that inning top of the six. We got Vargas. He walks. And Peralta, he fouls to third for the first out. And runners on first and second. One-two pitch. Michael Bush singles up the middle to score James Altman to make it 7-4. to four, And it goes as his first big league hit. Welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Bush. They're looking for the ball. He had the big smile on his face. Let's take a look at that hit here. Michael Bush gets his first hit. Did. Nice shot. And that's what he does. I mean, he goes with the pitch, hits it right up the middle, hit it to where it came from. And it's a little slider kind of hung there. Didn't really have that same bite and depth. And he just turns on it, stays back. Great piece of hitting right there. Not trying to do too much and give him a lot of credit. And what a special moment. And I like that story that Steven Nelson was 
was given during the broadcast where he talked about the relationship between him and James Albin. I talked to James Albin and Michael Bush during spring training, and Michael Bush talked about the bond that he has with this group and how it's so extra special that they're all getting their opportunities around the same time. When you talk about James Albin and Miguel Vargas and then now Michael Bush, he comes up, and the guy that he gets his first RBI was none other than James Altman. Bush was talking to reporters and they asked him about Altman and he was jokingly saying, oh, is he doing anything right now? Just kind of being sarcastic. And then he would go on to say that he is the hardest worker that he's ever seen in James Altman. So I think it really points to the fact that this could be a core. I mean, you're talking about young, talented hitters that are under team control for a long, long time that if they work out, if they hit on these, you're talking about the ability to have that depth at multiple positions and you can go out and sign some pitchers. You can go out and add some more money to the pile for Shohei Otani. So that really is the key to the Dodgers' success is can you hit on some of these guys? Everyone acts like, oh, this Dodger team, they go out there, the best team that money can buy. No, they're built, not bought. Corey Seager, Walker Buehler, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith, the list goes on and on. If you want to have a sustainable winner, you develop these guys in Hey, that's how it is. I mean, you water you water the plants in the spring and they start to bloom there in the in the summertime. So I think Michael Bush is a guy that it's pretty undeniable at this point. I think he really deserves his opportunity. Now, one of my big concerns is they had him playing at third base because they knew that a paternity leave that uh, Max Muncy was ultimately going to have to be on the paternity list because his second child was on the way. So they were playing him at third base tonight. I love the fact they had him at DH focusing on just being in the batter's box, trying to put together quality of bats, not focus on anything else. And I think that was a great move by Dave Roberts and company tonight. But moving forward, he hasn't played left field at all this season. Either has Miguel Vargas. So what do you do at second base? Miguel Vargas is turning things around. They have a lot invested in Miguel Vargas. They think he's going to be the guy. He's actually played pretty well at second base. Above average defensively at second base. He's only getting better with the reps. It's just tough to find a spot for him. So I wish they had stardom on the season playing some more left field because then David Peralta is not playing well. I mean, why can't he have the left field rep? So he's an athlete. I think that when you look at the net benefits and the opportunity costs of what he can do at the plate versus if he does have issues in the outfield or finding a defensive position, I think you look at what is the biggest pro, and that is what he can do with the stick. So, yeah, that is a big concern. Thor for Mad Bum from B. Guzman. I mean, look, uh, Mad Bum – he was basically has been what his name suggests. He has been a bum this season. He already over 10. The velocity is way down. The chase is way down. The walks. I mean, across the board, he's been pretty atrocious. But, yeah, and also he's another lefty. I don't want to go that route. I don't want to go that route. I'm going to go down that road with Mad Bum. Some guys you just don't want to see. Look, to me, I just don't think he can help this team. I don't care it's the Dodgers and this and that. But the reality is he's just not a good pitcher at this point. And I'd rather see Gavin Stone get his opportunity. And Bobby Miller, he's making his first start this weekend. So, yeah, I think there's better pieces at the minor league level as far as their ceiling and what they can do. And these retreads and taking flyers on guys that you – at the very best, 
best, they're going to be average. I just don't see the reason for doing that. But let's go, Michael Bush. That's from Diane Schroeder. That's a comment of the night. It's a comment of the night. You brought to you by our friends over at Hornitos. I'm going to take a nice sip of Hornitos tequila for you. Please drink responsibly. Ding. Uh, but, yeah, let's jump back into this one. So, six inning. Michael Bush, like I said, he gets that base hit. And then Taylor single to right. Bush advances to second. Vargas advances to third. And the next batter, 0-1 count to Barnes. He hits a sack fly to center to make it 7-5. to So for the Barnesy haters, he gets a sack fly. We love a nice productive at bat. That makes it 7-5. to Dodgers pull within two. And then you got runners on first and second. And the top of the line of Mookie Betts at the plate. And then 3-2 count. Seventh pitch of the at bat. It was a fantastic A-B by Mookie. He hits one to left. It looked like it was gone. But Jack Sawinski, he robs Mookie of what would have been a go-ahead three-run home run. Exit velocity, 103.7 miles per hour off the bat. A 37-degree launch angle, 402 feet on a bomb that on a fly ball that would have been a home run in 27 of 30 ballparks around Major League Baseball including Dodger Stadium so that was a heartbreaker that definitely was the Rob job of the night but don't worry Chris Taylor he got the Dodgers back so we got the three-run home run we needed later in this game but let's jump to the top of we have to talk about Victor Gonzalez, too, bottom of the fifth inning, 0-1 pitch. He was a little shaky. I mean, 0-1 pitch to Sawinski. He gave that double on a slider inside corner for a leadoff double. But then he bounced back. He bounced back and got Joe to ground his shortstop. A nice routine play throw there by Mookie Betts. Nice throw, stepped into it, made it look easy. And then Castro ground to second. So Sawinski ground to third for the second out. And then... He struck out Bay on a slider to Strantzowinski for the third out. So nice to see that slider working, and that really is the key to his success, getting that slider low and away to lefties, finding a way to just be consistent out there. So I definitely think it was a step in the right direction for Vigon. And then bottom of the eighth inning. That is where things got dicey. For Actually, let's talk about... Yeah, let's talk about the top of the eighth first, then we'll talk about that bottom of the eighth. So top of the eighth inning, Vargas singled to center, first pitch, sinker bottom of the zone. He's been more aggressive. He's been more decisive. The bat speed is improving, and he gets a single to really set the table there. Then Peralta, he grounded into a fielder's choice. And then Michael Bush, he draws a seven-pitch walk. A seven-pitch walk in your big league debut. Hats off to Michael Bush. I think that was almost as impressive as the the single that he hit earlier in the game because he knows. I mean, at that's at that point in the game, Dodgers are down to really only a couple opportunities left to try to get back in this one. And like you said earlier in the show, a big league at bat. And he starts up 2-0, and he fouls off a sinker low and away, and then fourth pitch of the bat, he takes a sinker away, and he's up 3-1, then he fouls off a sinker low and away, then he fouls off the sixth pitch of the bat, and this was a difficult pitch. It was a sweeper, bottom of the zone, and the seventh pitch of the bat, he lays off a 96-mile-per-hour sinker high and away, and then he draws that walk. Next batter, Austin Barnes, he strikes out on three pitches. Oh, and the next batter, Chris Taylor, 2-0 count. He hits the CT three-run home run. That puts the Dodgers up 8-7. to And like I said, when you're looking at Chris Taylor, is he chasing out of the zone? Is he getting ahead in counts and putting himself in hitters' counts? He did there, and he saw red. And he put a great swing on it. Inner half, belt high. You know Chris Taylor can turn on that. Loud contact. 
and he obliterated that one. So the Dodgers get three runs on two hits there in that top of the eighth inning. And then bottom of the eighth, you're fearing, hey, did the Dodgers give it right back? But before we get into that, let's do a couple more comments, and then we will head out. Altman is the man from Daniel Bowler. We got Elisha Jones, $36 million for 10 years. Freeman won't do that. You got this. CT3 saves the day. Yeah, there's a comment of the night. Brought to you by our friends over at Hornitos. This shot's for you. Please drink responsibly. We got whatever he wants. Altman for a leadoff hitter. I mean, look at the cleanup spot. He's slugging. He's a run producer. We got uh, Joe's bad him second. Trade for Tim Anderson, Lucas Giolito at the trade deadline for Michael. Look, I've kind of dove into that one. We'll see. I mean, at this point, I do think they definitely need another starter. Giolito's on expiring contract. Tim Anderson has one more year of team control. We'll see how the Mookie Betts shortstop experiment goes. Dave Roberts said before the game that Will Smith and Miguel Rojas are going to be taking live ABs tomorrow. So I think the plan still is for Miguel Rojas to return and play that shortstop position. But he has been pretty atrocious out there with the stick. There's been a hole in his bat all season. So we'll see if he can get it going offensively because how much longer can you justify having a 125-100 hitter at the plate when you got Mookie Betts that we know is one of the better hitters in the game and you really have a surplus of outfielders at this point, especially with if you want to kind of consider having Michael Bush. I think one of the moves is you consider throwing Michael Bush at second and see if Miguel Vargas is up to playing left because he actually has played it at the big league level. That's something you could consider as well. Hornitos is the deal. That's from Francisco Paco Santos GTS. Yeah, trade for Jack Flaherty. That's from Papa's. Bring up Gavin Stone. That's from Alicia Jones. Fantastic at Pittsburgh. Thanks for a great channel. Thanks for rocking with us as always, Lance Jennings. You win. But talk about the bottom of the eighth because I was a little... I mean, I was almost finished as Hornitos during that inning, the way that Ferguson had no command there. But, uh, yeah, so Castro, he gets a leadoff single to right to, to start the inning. And then Bay, he bunts into a fielder's choice for the first out. And he had a little game stoppage there. Betts said he made an attempt to go to second. And then Jeff Nelson, the umpire, came to talk to Dave Roberts. And you can turn to your left. You just can't make a step or an indication that you're attempting to advance. If you look at it, it didn't seem like he did, but good play by Mookie Betts. And how about a guy who's new to that position, already looking for things like that? It tells you how mentally locked in he is. So that's a great sign. But Mookie, just to make that catch, I thought that was impressive and get that force out there. So next batter, he walks Matthias. So you got Bay at second, so runners at first and second. Then he struck out Hayes for the second out. And then he hit Marcano to load the bases for Andrew McCutcheon. So bases loaded. You got Andrew McCutcheon, the guy who hit a three-run home run earlier in the game, a guy who was the Pittsburgh Pirates here, won the MVP with that franchise and he falls behind the count 3-1. to one. On the 3-1 he gets cut to foul out. A four-seamer on the hands. A great pitch there and give Ferg a lot of credit. To, credit, to have the kahunas, to have the stones. You're down the count. You know that you are one pitch away from walking in the tying run to attack Kutch with that four-seam fastball in on the hands to get him to foul out. I was impressed. It definitely was a high-wire act, and he threw 25 pitches, and only 12 were for strikes, but he escapes that jam. And then we saw top of the ninth inning, Dodgers had an opportunity to add another run. He had the double by Outman, and you had the... Yeah, you had the, uh, I mean, Thompson drew that one-out walk, then 
then, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, well, actually, let me go. The Dodgers are on fire. Dodgers are the Riders. The second Noah gets the mound, the game is over. That's from Daniel Bowler. Yeah, you guys are going hard on Noah Syndergaard. Do you guys think Noah Syndergaard will end the season with the Dodgers? Let me know down below. But um, here we go. We got... Yeah, so Freeman, he flied to center. Trace Thompson, he drew a one-out walk. Alman he doubled to right. Then Vargas, with runners on second and third, he grounded to that fielder's choice at third. They get Thompson at home. And then next batter, Peralta, 0-1 pitch, he grounded to first. So there you have it. Dodgers get the big comeback win, trailing 7-2 in this one. They come all the way back, and L.A. gets the big win. But, yeah, thanks for rocking with us, guys. An exciting game in Pittsburgh. This Dodgers team, they're starting to gain some momentum. They're winning on the road. They're manufacturing runs. Other than the home run ball, now I know the home run was the big go-ahead three-run shot by Chris Taylor tonight, but I think this youth movement is something that is sustainable. It is something that is real, not just this season, but for seasons to come. And I definitely think this team needs to find a way to get Michael Bush more opportunities because we need that dynamic. We need these young up-and-coming hitters that can grow with this organization, that can provide that depth in the future. And you have to see what you have in these guys. Because, look, at some point with Michael Bush, you got to play him or you got to trade him. And I think tonight was a great start to his big league career. I think that he's going to have that self-confidence saying, hey, I got a hit in the show. Let's go. Let's ride. And David Peralta, Jason Hayward, all these veterans that they signed, a lot of them are struggling. Trace Thompson. I mean, all three of those outfielders are struggling at the plate. So, I think you got if Rojas comes back and you don't want Mookie to risk injury, you throw Mookie back at right or you keep him at shortstop and have Rojas and CT3 kind of mix things up there. And then I think you figure something out with Bush and Vargas with that left field spot if Peralta can't produce. So we'll see what the Dodgers do. Max Muncy, get back soon because you're the best player in Major League Baseball as far as I'm concerned at this very second 11 bombs. But yeah, final thoughts, guys, and we're going to head out of this one. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. Smash that like button. Let's do some final takes here. Dodgers rock from Daniel Bowler. Michael, which is why they need Mullins, Anderson, and Gio. Lito. Yeah, you should stay tuned for my next trade video. I'm dropping that maybe Thursday or over the weekend. Taylor will step up, keep him, and will the crew. That's from Daniel. We got, hey, DMAC, don't miss that super chat. I'm on my knees. DK, and my comments are a little messed up tonight. I'm actually reading them from the YouTube channel like you guys are. So I'm not sure where your super chat was, but DKM, you are the man. You get a fire take. Fire take. You get a comment of the night. And that is presented by our friends over at Hornitos. Delicious tequila. Please drink responsibly. This shot is for you. Legally, I can't drink during this show. So there's that. We got loss or wins, always bleeding blue. That's from Joe Mama, Alexander Rose, DMAC, and me, Outman. Stock have risen since 2022. We ain't selling. Yeah, you do not sell your Altman stock. It's like buying Apple stock in the 80s, okay? Keep that stock. Good seeing CT3 batting ninth. He'll get confidence. DKM with the fire emojis. But thanks for rocking with us, guys. As always, DMAC, miss you, man. Glad you're back. Let's go. Yeah, start, Strider, hear you. How you doing, my man? Watch the show from the top. But thanks, guys. As always, remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. Enjoy the rest of your night. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.